this is the single mom of purpose i am coming on to give you guys the last two chapters of the book we have been discussing for the past few weeks destroying the spirit of rejection receive love and acceptance and find healing by john eckhart okay i'm excited okay this shows commitment this shows determination we are going to break this spirit of rejection okay we last chapter we went over it gave us ways to handle rejection the right way okay the right way so let's go ahead and jump into chapter 11 then we're moving right into chapter 12 chapter 12 is very brief chapter okay it literally has like one page and then the next goes into like scripture and prayers um i'm not gonna share all the scriptures i'll pick out some i'm not gonna share all the prayers i'll pick out some but chapter 11 i'm giving you the whole chapter when i went over it i said i can't just pick out any parts or little pieces i said i need to give the whole of chapter 11 okay chapter 11 God of the overflow. Joel 2:21. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. As you begin to receive healing from the devastation of rejection, and you have begun the rebuilding of the broken gates and walls in your life, you will have a new ability to sustain and dwell in the blessing and abundance of God. We cannot expect to be able to walk in the peace, joy, and prosperity of God when our lives has, has been desolated and left in ruins. With the help of the Spirit of God, we first took out the rubbish and garbage this is deliverance and then we could begin rebuilding the gates and walls so that we have a defense against the enemy when our gates and walls are repaired the enemy cannot rob and spoil the blessings of god that are meant for us the passage in Joel 2, 21-29, speaks of the restoration of Israel. But again, it is a picture of what God will do in our individual lives when we come to Him seeking deliverance, healing, and restoration. Most of the time when we read these scriptures, excuse me, especially verses 28-29, and it will be that afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on the men servants and maid servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. Reread it in terms of revival evangelism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals are especially familiar with these prophetic words, excuse me, when they are fulfilled in Acts 
chapter 2. This prophetic word of Joel is a word to Israel. The Israelites had experienced what is known as locust invasions. God would send these locusts, literal locusts, palmer worms, caterpillars, and canker worms that would sweep through the land and, des and desolate the entire land. <clears throat> Historically, these locust plagues came and ate up all of the crops. Because Israel was an agricultural nation, for the people to lose all of their crops to swarming locusts meant that they had no blessing and no finances. The locust plagues represent a curse. It's what God told them would happen if they broke their covenant with him. In Deuteronomy 28, he said he would send the locust and the locust did come and devoured the land. So in Joel 2, we find the Israelites in mourning. They were desolate and had experienced the judgment of God. But then God gave a word to Israel that he would restore to them the years that the locusts had eaten. What this reversal shows us is that even though there may be desolation in our lives because of rejection, disobedience, or rebellion, God is merciful and will restore to us the time that was lost. One of the things we learn about restoration is that when God restores something, he never gives back to you only what you lost. He gives back to you more than what you lost. You can see this in the story of Job. The Bible says that God blessed Job with twice as much as he had before. He was attacked by the enemy. That's in Job 42, 12 through 13. Using the types and symbols represented in the Old Testament account of Israel's deliverance from the desolation to restoration, we will explore what this means for you. Okay? First up, God will do great things. Joel 2, 21. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Next up, God will restore fruitfulness. Joel 2.22 Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. When restoration comes into a person's life, God restores fruitfulness. Desolation, lack, and poverty represent a curse. But fruitfulness and abundance represent prosperity and restoration. God says that the vine and the fig tree yield their strength. What this tells us is that as God begins to restore strength to our lives, he gives us the ability to bring forth fruit to manifest abundance. In the Bible, we are considered trees. We are called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, Isaiah 61.3. In Mark 11, 12-25, we find the story of when Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was barren. He was hungry and went to the fig tree. 
he saw that it had leaves but no fruit so he cursed it and said may no one ever eat fruit from you again verse 14 the next day his disciples saw the fig tree had withered up verse 20 god curses unfruitfulness therefore barrenness and unfruitfulness represent the curse of god because you are no longer under a curse god wants to remove all barrenness and fruitlessness from your life he wants you to bring forth fruit the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace temperaments and so on and that is in galatians 5 23 he wants your life to be fruitful one of the things about fruitfulness is that when you are fruitful, somebody else can eat from your tree. This is important. Your ability to bear fruit is not only for you. God blesses you to be a blessing to others. Now let me say this again because a lot of people don't get this, okay? You're not only blessed for yourself. God blesses you to be a blessing to others, okay? We are to be cheerful givers. We are not supposed to store up things for ourselves, okay? When we are blessed, others should be blessed through us. Now, that's what I believe, and it's clearly in the Bible, but just share it, okay? Next up, God will open the windows of heaven over your life. Joel 2, 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. When God, what, not when, what God is saying here is essentially, I am going to open up the windows of heaven. I am going to rain upon the land. In the Bible, rain is another symbol of blessing, fruitfulness, and abundance. A lack of rain upon a person's life is a picture of a curse, a picture of barrenness, it's a picture of desolation. Don't ever believe that it is the will of God for you to be desolate. Don't ever believe it is God's will for the heavens to be closed over your life. It is the will of God to pour upon you not just rain, but also the former rain and the latter rain. He will pour both upon you. He says, I am going to give you an abundance of rain. Next up, God will cause an overflow to occur in your life. Joel 2, 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. No matter what area you need to be restored in, when God does restore you into that area, he gives you an overflow, exceeding abundance and more than enough. He opens up the windows of heaven and pours upon you so much that you don't have enough room to receive it. Overflow is one of the signs of restoration. God says in this particular case that as a result of the rain, a great harvest would come upon Israel. 
the people would have so much wheat, wine, and oil that their storehouses would be full. Their vats would overflow with wine and oil. There would be abundance because the locusts came and ate up everything. There was poverty. There was lack. But now God was saying to Israel, I am going, I went, I'm sorry, let me go back. I am a God of restoration. The locusts canker worms and palmer worms and caterpillars have eaten up everything you've been desolate poor and living in lack you've been ashamed and you haven't had enough you've gone without but great things are about to happen in your lives i'm going to pour so much upon you i'm going to cause so much fruit to come the land that was barren is going to be fruitful the wheat is going to come in its fullness. There will be wine and oil. I'm going to cause an abundance and overflow. If you are believing God for restoration, you should also believe God for more now than you had before. Some people are believing to have just enough. If I have just enough, I'll be satisfied. God, just let me make it through the week, through the year. But I believe that God is a God of overflow, just as he did for Job. God will give you enough and you will not only make it through the year, but you will also have enough for years to come. Wouldn't it be nice if God gave you enough so that you don't have to worry about this year or the next year or the next year? God doesn't want you to make it through the year and then when December 31st comes, you say, whoa, man, that was close. He wants you to be run down and overtaken by his blessings. Joel 2.25, God will restore what was lost in the past. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Now we know that we can't get back time. So he is not talking about physical years being restored. What he is saying is that all the crops the enemy devoured in the past years he will restore back to you. This, this means he'll not only give you what comes in this year, but he'll also return to you what is owed to you from previous years. Joel 2, 24 and 26. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God. Notice the words used in these verses, full, overflow, and plenty. God uses words that represent prosperity, such as satisfied, which means that you will have a need of nothing. You will be satisfied. You will have so much, and this is not just referring to finances. This is also referring to joy, peace, righteousness, blessing, favor, anointing, grace, praise and worship it represents all the things that come with serving and worshiping god you will be satisfied one of the things that god does not want is for us to live our lives unsatisfied being unsatisfied is not the blessing of the lord the blessing of the lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it proverbs 10 22 you will never be ashamed. Joel 2, 26. 
and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people should never be ashamed. We talk about a spirit of shame and reproach that comes upon a person who has been robbed and spoiled by the enemy. Well, God wants to do something for you in restoration to make sure that you'll never be ashamed. You'll never walk around with your head down. People will not look down on you. God wants to do something so wondrous in your life that it causes people who think they know you to be amazed. God can do something so great in your life that people will look at you shaking their heads in disbelief. People who would have laughed at you, talked about you, made fun of you, criticized you, and gossiped about you will look at you as you are being restored and they will scratch their heads saying, I don't know what it is, but God has really been good to you. I want God to do something so great in my life through restoration, something so unbelievable that people will ask, are you the same person I used to know? God can bless you so much that it causes the doubters and naysayers to look at you and wonder what has happened in your life. Where, were, where you were once embarrassed about the state of your life, you are now confident in the one who lifted you up out of a horrible pit. Restoration is the work of the Holy Spirit. Restoration is not up to man. Man has no say-so in this. This is between you and God. This is, not, this is not up to somebody's vote or what anyone thinks. Because if it were up to somebody else, you wouldn't even be in the room. They'll put you back at the back of the line. You don't even qualify as far as people are concerned. You're the wrong size, wrong color, wrong gender, and wrong age, and you're in the wrong place. According to them, you don't fit at all. But God is not concerned about what man thinks about you. His restoration in your life is not the work of a man. It is the work of God. Man will let you down, but God will do what he said he is going to do. filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, our comforter, has been sent by God to bring restoration. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to walk in the Spirit, God is able to do something great and wondrous in your life. The Spirit of God makes a difference. People who are not filled with the Spirit live in the flesh. They can't even understand the things of God. They can't. I've seen it, and it's true. It's difficult to explain spiritual things to an unspiritual people. Lord, help us. It's a different realm in a different dimension. God wants us to receive the Holy Spirit because through him, the process of restoration can begin. God used the story of Nehemiah, whose name meant the comforter, to show that restoration begins when the Holy Spirit comes. He will start moving in our lives and performing signs, wonders, and miracles. There is no limit to a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to be stirred up and to arise on the inside of you. When you begin to deal with situations, don't stand there scratching your head. Begin to lift your hands, pray in tongues, and allow the Holy Spirit to intercede for you. 
he will arise he will rise up inside of you with all authority and you will overcome when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him isaiah 59 19. the holy spirit is not just for a church service he's a holy spirit every day of the week he's a holy spirit when you are dealing with an impossible situation He's a Holy Spirit in sickness, disease, and death. He is a Holy Spirit for whatever comes. He is a Holy Spirit when the devil attacks your finances and your joy. He is a Holy Spirit who will cause you to break through every limitation and every barrier. He is a Holy Spirit who will cause you to leap over walls and leap over boundaries. And he's a Holy Spirit with whom nothing is impossible. The body of Christ needs more people filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about people who speak in tongues every now and then. I'm talking about people who will live and walk in the Spirit. People who are full of the Spirit and the anointing of God believe in the power of God no matter what the situation is. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, you can truly say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's in First John 4, 4. The greater one lives inside of you. Okay, so that was chapter 11. Okay, and that title again is God of the Overflow. Okay, rejection doesn't have to be a normal part of our life. It doesn't have to overtake us. It doesn't have to control us because we've learned how to deal with it. It's going to come, but our reaction to it should change, okay? It shouldn't get us down. It shouldn't steal our joy, okay? It shouldn't have us want to seek revenge. It's not necessary, okay? So, let's go ahead and jump into chapter 12. Prayers that destroy the spirit of rejection. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Prayer is a powerful weapon for believers who have had, who have a hatred for the works of darkness. Psalm 139:21. When you pray, you are breaking strongholds and enforcing the victory over Satan that Jesus won through his death on the cross. You are executing the judgments written against Satan through your prayers. You are reinforcing the fact that principalities and powers have been spoiled. Colossians 2.15 This is why it is so unfortunate that there are so many believers who struggle with prayer. Many say they don't know how to pray. Some have become discouraged in prayer. This is why there are so many areas in their lives that are still under the oppression of the enemy. The Lord taught me a long time ago the importance of praying the word to overcome spiritual resistance to the plan of God for my life. The Holy Spirit has helped me understand many scriptures and how to use them in prayer so that I can continue to walk in victory. When you base your prayers on the word of God, it will inspire you to pray. Praying the word of God will expand your ability to pray. It will stir up a spirit of prayer within you. 
We are told to pray with all kinds of prayers. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying the word will cause you to pray many different kinds of prayers that you ordinarily would not have prayed. This will help to break the limitations off your prayer life. Reading, studying, and meditating on the promises of God will motivate you to pray. God has given many great and precious promises. Promises to help you, to save and deliver you from the hand of the enemy and to heal you and prosper you. It is through faith-filled prayer that you inherit these covenant promises. Hebrews 6, 12. I have pulled together this collection of prayers that specifically address the demons operating within the spirit of rejection from deliverance and spiritual warfare books I've written over the years. There are some new prayers that have come out of the flow of my ministering these principles to believers around the world. I believe that these prayers will prepare you to receive great deliverance and restoration from desolation of rejection. Okay, and again, there are quite a few in here. But let me just take a couple out of each because, wow, yeah, there's a lot of pages of prayer. So prayers that deliver, wait, prayers for deliverance from rejection. Okay, Lord, you are my light and my salvation. You are the strength of my life. I would not fear anything or anyone. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is with me. I would not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 118, 6. Prayers that increase faith. I have faith in God. Mark 11, 22. I pray as your anointed disciples prayed. Increase my faith. Luke 17, 5. Prayers for boldness and courage. I will be courageous to keep and do all that the Lord has told me. Joshua 23, 6. Let me be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I may speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 4, 31. Prayers for sexual purity. In the name of Jesus, I cast out all spirits of loneliness that would drive me to ungodly sexual relationships. In the name of Jesus, I cast out all spirits of perversion, including Mobiite and Ammonite spirits of lust. Prayers against Levithon. Uh, let's see. Let not the foot of pride come against me. God, you resist the proud. Your power is against the high ones who have rebelled against you. Prayers that break the spirit of pride. I command the spirit of pride to cease his persecution of the poor. Thank you, Lord, that you turn me from my deeds and conceal my pride from me so that my soul may be kept back from the pit and my life from perishing by the sword. Job 33, 17, 18. Health and healing declarations. In the name of Jesus, I speak to diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, heart attack, stroke, and multiple sclerosis be removed and cast into the sea. 
I speak to lupus and every other disease. I command you to leave my body. Prayers that cast out the spirit of infirmity. Forgive me, Lord, for allowing any fear, guilt, self-rejection, self-hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, sin, pride, or rebellion to open the door to any sickness or infirmity. I renounce these things in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I cast out any spirit of infirmity that came into my life through rejection. Okay. So then there's like some other prayers, like actual prayers in here. Um, prayer for restoration. Let me read that. I believe God for total restoration in my life. Lord, you know every part of my life. You know every breach, every wall, and every gate. Lord, you know the condition of my walls and gates. I ask you now to restore any breaches in any area of my life. Any area that the enemy has access to, let it be closed. Let it be repaired. Let it be restored. Lord, I pray that any rubbish in my life will be removed. I open my life up to the Holy Spirit, my comforter, my builder, and my helper. I pray for complete restoration of every wall and every gate in my life. In the name of Jesus, let every gate of my mind and my emotions be healed and restored. Thank you, Lord, for repairing my life. I pray for any desolation in my life from my past to be restored and to be healed. I want to be made whole, Father. I want to be delivered, set free, and made whole. I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in my life. I thank you for the word of the Lord. I will receive it. I will hear it. I will walk in it. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your glory. I will rejoice and enjoy your presence and your glory, Lord. I thank you for giving me life and that more abundantly. Thank you, Lord, that every wall and every gate in my life is being restored through the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Okay, so that has been it. That is chapters 11 and chapter 12, and we are done with this book. Destroying the Spirit of Rejection, Receive Love and Acceptance and Find Healing by John Eckhart. My prayer is that the spirit of rejection that has been in your life has been destroyed. My prayer is that you have received the love that God has been trying to give you. I pray that you have found the acceptance in him and that you have found your healing. I don't know about y'all, but I have... How can I say this? I have learned so much by reading this book and sharing with you guys. I've learned a lot. I've really learned a lot. I've... <clears throat> dealing with this thing called rejection better now that I know what it is now that I know how it operates and how it works and how it comes in all access points have been blocked off you have to shut the enemy down okay your reaction has to change 
okay how you react has to change you can't go with anger you can't go with um what's the word revenge okay lots of times you know you're dealing with people who don't know well they know what they're doing but they don't know the effect that it's going to have on someone else's life and frankly many of them don't care okay and so that's why we have to take things into consideration that's why um, that chapter was so important chapter 10 the right way to handle rejection rejection is going to come in a form of a job as in a form of relationship it's going to happen but we have to know that there are better ways of dealing with it better ways of looking at it it's not the end of the world okay there are other jobs out there better jobs better companies dealing with better people uh, relationship wise um same thing same thing um but we just have to know what it is how to deal with it and not let it overtake us that's what i've learned i'm not taking anything personal anymore you know because there's always something else behind it um people reject us when they don't understand us um something else the book said you know people are jealous you know people don't like that um you've been called by god that you've been chosen by god that you have this particular gift that they don't have they don't want to be the person that they need to be to receive it okay so many people want to be as they are and you can't be that way coming into the kingdom of god coming to be, become a child of his okay yes all of us are born that way but we have to have we have to make the choice to stay that way and do the work that it takes to continue down the right path a lot of people don't want to do that so you're going to be rejected just because of someone else believing something different or being upset that they don't have what you have so there's a so i've learned that there are so many forms of rejection and how people can reject you for various reasons so definitely going forward it is not gonna be a big issue for me it's not um and this book has helped me to see that and realize that and this is why I believe it's so important that once you learn something, you have to share it with others. And that's why I do this podcast, okay? This is why I do this. I, If I'm going to uh, continue my journey to be who God is, is calling me to be, then I have to share with others. You know, we have to do that. We can't get to a certain point in our life like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to help nobody else. If that's how we're going to be, then no one would be who they are supposed to be. We all need help. Jesus had a 12 disciples, okay? He could not do everything by himself. He had to go. So it's like he had to train others to do what he was here to do so they can go out and share with other people, okay? So that is it for today. I'm excited. Again, we're done with this book. It had 12 chapters. You just got 11 and 12. This book is complete. We've done it. Okay. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. 
okay? <laughs> I'm so excited. And I feel so much better from when I first started on chapter one. I feel so much better, okay? So again, this is a single mom of purpose. You can find me on Instagram, okay? You can find my Kingdom Gals Ministries Facebook group on Facebook, okay? You can check out my website, TamaraMcCarthyEnterprises.com. That's been my blog um, for four years. Started in 2016. There are hundreds of blog posts on there about several different topics. Just things to just keep you on your Christian walk, okay? Help you along the way. Um, I'm a self-published author, okay? You can find all of my books on Amazon. You can check those out also on my website, okay? Um, that's about it. And thank you again for continually listening to this podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you for, you, you guys encourage me. When I see those numbers, I'm like, oh, people are really listening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And I'm glad I was obedient when it was put on my heart, put on my spirit, put in my spirit to do this thing. Okay. And it's funny because when I tell people I'm an introvert, they're like, okay, but you, you're uh, a minister and you got a podcast and you're writing books and you're doing this and this and that. How are you an introvert? I'm an introvert, but I'm obedient. Okay. So, <laughs> but thank you for listening. I'm going to be back on. I'm going to be doing something else because I'm like, okay, what can I do after this? After we deal with the spirit of rejection, what am I going to do? What is going to be the next topic? Okay, so I'm going to be back to give you the next topic. Um, maybe this weekend, if not, then sometime during the week. But we're definitely going to continue this and move on to something um, to keep us on our path, okay? And to help out others along the way. So thank you. Happy Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend until we speak again. Hello and good evening. This is the Single Mama Purpose. I am coming on to give you guys a new episode. It's going to be actually a few episodes, but tonight it's going to be on discipleship. And the title is in the beginning okay and for starters i want to go ahead and give you a scripture and then i'm going to jump into discipleship 101 okay so i'm going to be reading some of these um verses of genesis 1 i'm going to skip around because it's 31 verses but i don't want to read all of them to you so i'm going to pick out some ones that i want to highlight so i'm going to start with genesis 1 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I'm going to be going down to verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. 
God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called sea, seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees, on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and the trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Jumping down to 20. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 22. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was even and there was morning the fifth day. 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds of livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. 25. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. 26. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. This is the God that we serve, the God of heaven and earth, creator of every single thing on this earth. That is who we are called to serve, okay? So in order for me to come and bring you some um, understanding of discipleship, I got some books okay the first book that I'm starting with is called the new Christians handbook everything believers need to know the author is name is Max Anders a-n-d-e-r-s okay and the first chapter in this book is called who is God okay so who is God? I just told you some of the things that he has done, that he has created. He created heaven and earth and he created you and me in his own image. Okay. So coming out of this book, it says, God is holy. God is loving. God is just. God is merciful. God is good. We cannot invent a definition of God and expect it to be true. Therefore, one of the great challenges in life is to find out who God is. It is from the Bible that Christians get their understanding of who God is. Okay? God is infinite, eternal spirit, the self-existent creator of the universe and the surveying over it. 
While this definition is not complete, it is a good beginning. The God we are talking about is the creator of the universe, the original being, the surveying ruler of all that is, the sole judge of all that is true and false, right and wrong, good and bad. No one created him. Acts 17, 23, excuse me, through 25. He has always been there and will continue eternally unchanged. Hebrews 13, 8. James Packer writes, God does not have it in him to go out of existence. Okay, moving along in this book, it said, well, it gives us some more understanding of God is holy, God is loving, God is just, God is merciful, God is good. So starting with God is holy. Technically, holiness means set apart from sin to righteousness. Not only has God never sinned, but in fact, he is incapable of sin because his character, his very nature is what defines sin. Anything that is like God is not sin. Anything that is not like God is sin. It is not that he has the ability to live up to some standard. Rather, he is the standard. Isaiah 6, 3. God is loving. Three words in the original Greek language of the New New Testament are all translated into English as one word, love. Eros, E-R-O-S, is physical, sensual love. Phileos, phileos, P-H-I-L-O-S, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, is emotional love, such as one might have for a parent or close friend. Agape, pronounced agape, is the exercise of one's will for the good of another. When the Bible says that God is love, it is saying that God is agape. He has committed his will to the good of humanity. 1 John 4, 8. God is just. Today it is considered impolite to stick our nose into anyone else's business. Therefore, we hear little of God's justice. Nevertheless, justice is one of God's characteristics. Revelations 15, 3. Justice applies consequences to a person's actions according to the, a fixed standard without regard to favoritism or any other intervening, intervening thing. If I could read right. <laughs> God has said that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 And that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 Therefore, God's justice requires that all die. God is merciful. Mercy is God's characteristic that causes him to provide a way of escape when we deserve judgment. Titus 3, 5 through 7. We deserve to die, but God sent Jesus to earth to die for us. Therefore, since God has provided a way of escape from judgment that satisfies him, when we accept that way of escape, God would be unjust not to save us. God's justice and his mercy combine to provide humanity a safe haven from the consequences of our sin. God is good. God is not a celestial scientist fooling around with human toys for his own enjoyment, regardless of the negative impact on those toys. 
goodness must mean goodness from his children's point of view, not just God's. Otherwise, he could hatch up all kinds of sadistic schemes against his helpless children. Is that helpless? They got a misspelling there. Plunging them into misery purely for his own enjoyment. Such is not the case. He intends to do good for his children. Deuteronomy 8.16 and Mark 10.18 This does not mean that life will always be easy and pleasurable. God's goodness means that in the end, all will be well, even though some things between now and then may be difficult. These characteristics are not all the ones that God shares with humankind, but they are among the most important ones. God is enough like us to understand our problems and enough above us to be able to solve them. God is unlike us in some ways. God is eternal. With no beginning and no end, God never had a beginning and he will never have an end. Psalms 92, 90 verse 2. It is much easier to think of humans who have a beginning but no end. That is not so difficult. But to imagine that someone never had a beginning, that he has always existed, takes us beyond our ability to grasp. Nevertheless, that is true of God. It is a reassuring thought to me. It makes me feel safe. The universe can make sense to me. He always has been and he always will be. And I am safe, loved, and significant. Nothing could be better. God is immutable, unchanging. God has never and will never change. Webster defines immutability simply as unchanging. God cannot change because his very nature is unchanging. Therefore, he can never be wiser, more holy, more just, more merciful, more truthful, nor less. Nor do his plans and purposes change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 The Apostle James wrote that he is the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. Speaking for God, Malachi wrote, I am the Lord. I do not change. That is in Malachi 3, 6. God is omnipresent, everywhere simultaneously. The next three characteristics of God form a well-known triad, which one being with the prefix omni, which means unlimited. The first one is omnipresence, meaning that God is present everywhere simultaneously. Psalms 139, 7-10. That is good news for the child of God. There is nowhere we can be that God is not there with us. God is omnipresent. I'm sorry, omniscient. All-knowing. Psalm 139.4 reads, There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. When we say God knows everything, we mean that he knows all things, both actual and possible. As an example of a possible thing Jesus knew in Matthew 11:21, he said, If the mighty works which we done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, 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 oh, Sidon? <laughs> I can never get those words. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. There is no hoodwinking God. There is no wool to be pulled over his eyes. 
Jeremiah wrote, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Jeremiah 17, 10. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. The final characteristic of God we want to look at is his omnipotence. Omnipotence means that God can do anything. He chooses Job 42 and 2, reads... I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. He put the stars in place. He spoke the world into existence. He breathed into a lump of clay and created the first man. In conclusion, this book reads, well, this chapter reads, Who Was God? Sometimes we may be tempted to question God's character because he does not treat us better. I read one time of a missionary couple who had spent their entire lives on a mission field working tirelessly to improve the quality of life and to spread the gospel. When they retired, they sailed home on the same passenger ship carrying Teddy Roosevelt home from one of his famous safaris. As the ship docked in New York Harbor, there was a band playing, crowds cheering, confetti flying, and banners waving, just for the president. It's not fair, thought the missionary. The president goes hunting for a few weeks, and when he comes home, he receives a hero's welcome. We spend our entire lives in an underdeveloped country, and when we come home, there isn't even anyone at the dock to meet us. And then in a flash of insight given by the Holy Spirit, he realized, ah, yes, but the difference is, I am not home yet. You may be treated poorly in this life. You may not get the reward that is due you. That doesn't mean God has failed. It only means that you are not home yet. Okay. So, just to recap. Who is God? God is holy. God is loving. God is just. God is merciful. God is good. God is eternal. God is immutable. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. Okay? And the last part of this chapter, it says to memorize 1 Timothy 1, 17. And you guys can read that on your own. The prayer is, Dear Lord, I am so grateful for who you are, that you are perfect in character and so great in ability. Thank you that you chose to let me know who you are. Help me trust you to rule my life with wisdom, love, and power. Amen. Okay, so this is the first episode of Discipleship 101 titled, Who, I'm sorry, In the Beginning. And I just read from the book, The New Christian's Handbook, Everything Believers Need to Know by Max Anders. And the chapter that I just read was chapter one, and it's, Who is God? How can you be a disciple and you don't know who you are following? Um, I've, that's why I wanted to start with that. Um, because if you're following someone, if you're serving someone, okay, not even someone, if you are serving our Heavenly Father, if you are serving our Alpha and our Omega, if you are serving the one who created you, breathed life into you, okay, not just when you were born, but every single day, that you get to open your eyes. He is breathing new life into you. You need to know who he is. Okay? And while I shared those examples, he is going to be something much greater to each one of us. 
okay? Each one of us are going to have our story of who God is in our lives. But when we're starting out as a new Christian, as a babe in Christ, as a new believer, we're not going to know all that at that point in time. Yes, we can hear stories from other people. We can hear their testimony and we can hear this and we can hear that. But you're going to have your own individual story of who God is. He's still going to be all those other things. But who is he for you? Who has he been in your life? Okay. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, Jehovah, Nisi, El Shaddai, all of those names lets us know who our Heavenly Father is. But you want to get to know him for yourself. You want to have a personal relationship with him. Okay? So that is what, um, I, how I wanted to start out. And I think it's a good start, you know? Because discipleship is like, yes, you're following Jesus. You're following God. But you want to know who they are. Okay? Who am I following? You know, it's just like with social media. So many people are following following different people. You don't know who these people are because they portray themselves as a different person on social media than they can be in real life. You know who God is. He's never changing. He's not going to change. Okay? So, Discipleship 101. I think this is going to be exciting. Um, me, myself, when I became a new uh, believer... Uh, when I was a babe in Christ, the um, church that I was baptized at, they had discipleship classes. Um, and me being a um, a minister, you know, and just um, being passionate about this type of thing, I said, you know, let me do this because I've seen in my travels and my um, uh, going from church to church many churches don't have discipleship classes anymore and I'm like okay (laughs) why not Um, because it's needed it's needed every single day someone is giving their life back to God and they need to know you know what is um, required of them you know and I'm, I'm hoping that this is a good way for me myself to help other people get to know who he is, um, and what we are to do as Christians, as his children, okay? So again, thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for not only listening to this particular podcast, thank you for listening to all of the podcasts that I have been doing on here for over a year. Thank you. 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 I can't thank you guys enough. Um, but again, I came on. I let you know that this is a single mom of purpose. But this particular episode is being brought to you by Kingdom Gales Ministries. Okay. That is my ministry. Um, just went, um, just started it this year, um, but it was something that God gave me back in 2017. Uh, so I'm just being obedient. Um, the scripture that um, my ministry goes off of is Matthew 9:22, and my mission and vision statement is: I want to help young ladies and women grow closer to God and live the life that has that He has designed for them. Okay. 
we so many times we want to live the life that we design for ourselves you know we want this we want that but what has God designed for your life you know what is his will for your life okay so just a little bit about my ministry um we embrace our purpose that's one thing I want to help people do embrace your purpose you know um we speak victory and not defeat okay we are not defeated okay we are God's children we he's already won the victory so it's being that he has already won the victory we are his children we take on that we have won the victory okay we are victorious okay we are faith builders Okay, how can you be a child of God and not have faith? Okay, we have to build our faith up every single day. Okay, we know that God will provide no matter what. Okay, his word says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Okay, we are to ask him. We are to seek him. We are to knock. You know, we have to go to him with our needs, you know, and if it is in his will, then yes, we're going to get that. We have to know that we are to want godly things. Okay, he's just out here just giving us whatever we want if it's not in his will, especially if it goes outside of what his word says. Okay, so we have to be mindful of that as well. Okay, what do we do here at Kingdom Girls Ministries? We inspire. Okay, we empower, we encourage, we motivate, we teach, and we preach. Okay, so again. This is a single mom of purpose, okay? This is being brought to you by Kingdom Gales Ministries, okay? We have a Facebook group. Um, you can check us out on Instagram, okay? Um, and not only that, um, I am a self-published author. All of my books are available on Amazon. Okay, you can find those titles as well on my website at www.tamaramccarthyenterprises.com. Okay, they are self-help Christian books. Okay, um, and again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are so amazing, so amazing. Okay, so again, this is the first episode for Discipleship 101. Okay, and we are going to be coming back hopefully sometime this week and continue this journey. Okay, we are going to get, um, we are going to get our discipleship on. Okay, we want to be uh, God's number one disciple. Okay, so again, thank you. Have a good evening, and I will speak be speaking with you guys shortly.